Hi, and welcome to Sleep Tight Relax. A short message for grown-ups. If you get value from our stories, please consider subscribing to Sleep Tight Premium. It's a bit like having a library full of bedtime stories at your fingertips. Along with sleep sounds, guided meditations, and music for sleep, we help you make sleep time easier and hopefully bring joy and calm to your children. Visit sleeptightpremium.com to subscribe. A link can also be found in our show notes. Thank you. Hi there, and welcome to this episode of Sleep Tight Relax. Sounds, music, and stories for calming, busy minds. In this episode, Cheryl shares the fourth part of the classic story of Peter Pan. We've continued using a subtle mix of music to accompany the story and hope the combination of story and sound helps you have a deep and restful sleep. Before listening to our sleep story, let's first start by making sure you have a suitable environment for comfort. Turn the lights down and find your comfortable place. Position your pillows or your other little comforts. Remove distractions. Turn off notifications. Now, let's begin to relax. Start with a deep, gentle breath, breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. Let's try a few more deep breaths. While we're breathing, let's return to our thinking about being grateful grateful about just about anything which we approached in an earlier episode, I believe, around the Canadian Thanksgiving. As you're taking your breath in, think of someone or something you are grateful for. It doesn't have to be big. It could be that you're grateful for how the sun feels on your skin, or that your friend makes you laugh, or that your mom made your favorite breakfast. It could be that you're able to fall asleep easily one night after you've been struggling with sleeping. Or it could be big things, like you're grateful for your family, people who love you, or your support system. So as you breathe in, in your mind say, I am grateful for something. With that thought in your mind, then breathe out. So, 
Here we go. Take a deep breath in and now breathe out and relax. Breathe in, hold ever so slightly and breathe out and relax. Breathe in and out. I hope you enjoy tonight's sleep story and have a deep and relaxing sleep. Peter Pan, Chapter 4 Second to the right and straight on till morning. That, Peter had told Wendy, was the way to the Neverland. But even birds carrying maps and consulting them at windy corners could not have sighted it with these instructions. Peter, you see, just said anything that came into his head. At first, his companions trusted him implicitly, and so great were the delights of flying that they wasted time circling round church spires or any other tall objects on the way that took their fancy. John and Michael raced, Michael getting a start. They recalled with contempt that not so long ago, they had thought themselves fine fellows for being able to fly round a room. Not long ago, but how long ago? They were flying over the sea before this thought began to bother Wendy seriously. John thought it was their second sea and their third night. Sometimes it was dark and sometimes light, and now they were very cold and again too warm. Did they really feel hungry at times or were they merely pretending because Peter had such a jolly new way of feeding them? His way was to pursue birds who had food in their mouths suitable for humans and snatch it from them. Then the birds would follow and snatch it back and they would all go chasing each other happily for miles, parting at last with mutual expressions of goodwill. But Wendy noticed with gentle concern 
that Peter did not seem to know that this was rather an odd way of getting your bread and butter, not even that there were other ways. Certainly, they did not pretend to be sleepy. They were sleepy. And that was a danger, for the moment they nodded off, down they fell. The bad thing was that Peter thought this funny. There he goes again, he would cry gleefully as Michael suddenly dropped like a stone. Save him, save him, cried Wendy, looking at the sea far below. Eventually, Peter would dive through the air and catch Michael just before he could splash into the sea. And it was lovely the way he did it. But he always waited till the last moment, and you felt it was his cleverness that interested him and not the saving of the person. Also, he was fond of variety, and the sport that engrossed him one moment would suddenly cease to engage him. He could sleep in the air without falling by merely lying on his back and floating. But this was, partly at least, because he was so light that if you got behind him and blew, he went faster. Do be more polite to him, Wendy whispered to John when they were playing Follow My Lead. Then tell him to stop showing off, said John. When playing Follow My Lead, Peter would fly close to the water and touch each shark's tail in passing, just as in the street you might run your finger along the iron railing. They could not follow him in this with much success, so perhaps it was rather like showing off, especially as he kept looking behind to see how many tails they missed. We must be nice to him, Wendy impressed on her brothers. What would we do if he were to leave us? We could go back, Michael said. How could we ever find our way back without him? Well, then we could go on, said John. That is the awful thing, John. We should have to go on, for we don't know how to stop. This was true. Peter had forgotten to show them how to stop. John said that if the worst came to the worst, all they had to do was to go straight on for the world was round, and so in time they must come back to their own window. And who is to get food for us, John? I nipped a bit out of that eagle's mouth pretty neatly, Wendy. After the twentieth try, Wendy reminded him, and even though we became good at picking up food, see how we bump against clouds and things if he is not near to give us a hand? 
Indeed, they were constantly bumping. They could now fly strongly, though they still kicked far too much. But if they saw a cloud in front of him, the more they tried to avoid it, the more certainly did they bump into it. If Nana had been with them, she would have had a bandage round Michael's forehead by this time. Peter was not with them for the moment, and they felt rather lonely up there by themselves. He could go so much faster than they that he would suddenly shoot out of sight to have some adventure in which they had no share. He would come down laughing over something funny he had been saying to a star, but he had already forgotten what it was. Or he would come up with mermaid scales still sticking to him and yet not be able to say for certain what had been happening. It was really rather irritating to children who had never seen a mermaid. And if he forgets them so quickly, Wendy argued, how can we expect that he will go on remembering us? Indeed, sometimes when he returned, he did not remember them, at least not well. Wendy was sure of it. She saw recognition come into his eyes as he was about to pass them the time of day and go on. Once even, she had to call him by name. I'm Wendy, she said agitatedly. He was very sorry. I say, Wendy, he whispered to her, always, if you see me forgetting you, just keep on saying I'm Wendy and then I'll remember. Of course, this was rather unsatisfactory. However, to make amends, he showed them how to lie out flat on a strong wind that was going their way. And this was such a pleasant change that they tried it several times and found that they could sleep this way with security. Indeed, they would have slept longer, but Peter tired quickly of sleeping, and soon he would cry in his captain voice, We get off here! So, with occasional tiffs, but on the whole rollicking, they drew near the Neverland. For after many moons, they did reach it, and what is more, they had been going pretty straight all the time. Not so much owing to the guidance of Peter or Tink as because the island was looking for them. It is only thus that anyone may sight those magic shores. There it is, said Peter calmly. Where? Where? Where all the arrows are pointing. Indeed, a million golden arrows were pointing it out to the children, all directed by their friend the sun, who wanted them to be sure of their way before leaving them for the night. 
Wendy and John and Michael stood on tiptoe in the air to get their first sight of the island. Strange to say, they all recognized it at once as a familiar friend to whom they were returning home for the holidays. John, there's the lagoon. Wendy, look at the turtles burying their eggs in the sand. I say, John, I see your flamingo with the broken leg. Look, Michael, there's your cave. John, what's that in the brushwood? It's a wolf and her whelps. Wendy, I do believe that's your little whelp. There's my boat, John, with her side stove in. No, it isn't. Why, we burned your boat. That's her at any rate. I say, John, I see the smoke of the camp. Where? Show me, and I'll tell you by the way the smoke curls whether they are there or hunting. There, just across the mysterious river. I see now, yes, they are hunting, sure enough. Peter was a little annoyed with them for knowing so much, but he didn't say anything as it was getting dark. The arrows left, leaving the island in gloom. In the old days at home, the Neverland had always begun to look a little dark by bedtime. Then unexplored patches arose in it and spread. You were quite glad that the nightlights were on. You even liked Nana to say that this was just the mantelpiece over there and that the Neverland was all make-believe. Of course, the Neverland had been make-believe in those days, but it was real now. And there were no nightlights, and it was getting darker every moment. And where was Nana? They had been flying apart, but they huddled close to Peter now. His careless manner had gone at last. His eyes were sparkling, and a tingle went through them every time they touched him. They were now over the island, flying so low that sometimes a tree grazed their feet. Nothing awful was visible in the air, yet their progress had slowed, exactly as if they were pushing their way through hostile forces. Sometimes they hung in the air until Peter had beaten on it with his fists. They don't want us to land, he explained. Who are they? Wendy whispered. But he could not or would not say. Tinkerbell had been asleep on his shoulder, but now he wakened her and sent her in the front. Sometimes he poised himself in the air, listening intently with his hand to his ear. Having done this, he went on again. 
His courage was almost shocking. Would you like an adventure now? He said casually to John, or would you like to have your tea first? Wendy said tea first quickly, and Michael pressed her hand in gratitude, but the braver John hesitated. What kind of adventure? He asked cautiously. There's a pirate asleep just beneath us, Peter told him. If you like, we'll go down and scare him. I don't see him, John said, after a long pause. I do. Peter said we would wake him up and give him a scare. That's the way I always do it. John said, how exciting, but decided to have tea first. He asked if there were many pirates on the island just now, and Peter said he had never known so many. Who is captain now? Hook, answered Peter, and his face became very stern as he said that word. Hook? Aye. Then indeed, Michael began to cry, and even John could speak in gulps only, for they knew Hook's reputation. He was part of Blackbeard's gang, John whispered. That's him, said Peter. What is he like? Well, he has a hook instead of a hand, and he's always angry. For the moment, they were feeling less scared because Tink was flying with them. And in her light, they could distinguish each other. Unfortunately, she could not fly so slowly as they, and so she had to go round and round them in a circle, in which they moved as in a halo. Wendy quite liked it until Peter pointed out the drawbacks. She tells me, he said, that the pirates sighted us before the darkness came and got Long Tom out. Of course, they must see her light, and if they guess we are near it, they are sure to let fly. Wendy, John, Michael. Tell her to go away at once, Peter, the three cried simultaneously, but he refused. She thinks we have lost the way, he replied stiffly, and she is rather worried. You don't think I would send her away all by herself when she is worried? For a moment, the circle of light was broken and something gave Peter a loving little pinch. Then tell her, Wendy begged, to put out her light. She can't put it out. That is about the only thing fairies can't do. It just goes out of itself when she falls asleep, same as the stars. Then tell her to sleep at once, John almost ordered. She can't sleep except when she's sleepy. It is the only other thing fairies can't do. 
Seems to me, growled John, these are the only two things worth doing. Here he got a pinch, but not a loving one. If only one of us had a pocket, Peter said, we could carry her in it. However, they had set off in such a hurry that there was not a pocket between the four of them. He had a happy idea, John's hat. Tink agreed to travel by hat if it was carried in the hand. John carried it, though she had hoped to be carried by Peter. Presently, Wendy took the hat because John said it struck against his knee as he flew. And this, as we shall see, led to mischief. For Tinkerbell hated to be under an obligation to Wendy. In the black topper, the light was completely hidden and they flew on in silence. It was the stillest silence they had ever known, broken once by a distant lapping, which Peter explained was the beast drinking at the ford, and again by a rasping sound that might have been the branches of trees rubbing together. Even these noises stopped. To Michael, the loneliness was dreadful. If only something would make a sound, he cried. As if in answer to his request, the air was rent by the most tremendous crash he had ever heard. The pirates had fired Long Tom at them. The roar of it echoed through the mountains and the echoes seemed to cry savagely, where are they, where are they? Where are they? Thus sharply did the terrified three learn the difference between an island of make-believe and the same island come true. When at last the heavens were steady again, John and Michael found themselves alone in the darkness. John was treading the air mechanically and Michael, without knowing how to float, was floating. Are you okay? John whispered. I am, Michael whispered back. We know now that no one had been hurt. Peter, however, had been carried by the wind far out to sea, while Wendy was blown upwards with no companion but Tinkerbell. It would have been well for Wendy if at that moment she had dropped the hat. I don't know whether the idea came suddenly to Tink or whether she had planned it on the way, but she at once popped out of the hat and began to lead Wendy away. Tink was not bad, just a bit jealous. Fairies have to be one thing or the other, because being so small, they unfortunately have room for one feeling only at a time. They are, however, allowed to change, 
only it must be a complete change. At present, she was full of jealousy for Wendy. What she said in her lovely tinkle, Wendy could not, of course, understand. But it sounded kind, and she flew back and forth, plainly meaning, follow me, and all will be well. What else could poor Wendy do? She called to Peter and John and Michael and got only echoes in reply. She did not yet know that Tink was jealous of her. And so confused and now shaking in her flight, she followed Tink. And that's the end of this episode. Good night, sleep tight.